Um, it's not because we have a 30-minute sermon plan, but because when you write things down, it helps to remember and it helps to process and internalize things. And so that's what we're going to be doing here this morning. You know, one of the things that um, Vicki mentioned this morning when she was doing the welcome is that sometimes there is a tendency for people to not come to church on the day of communion because there is this idea that we're going to be at church till 1230, right? Right? Isn't that what sometimes some people think? And the reality is, is that for communion, at least for me, is one of the most powerful things um, that we can do as a church because it has such symbolic depth to it. Okay, and so this morning what we want to look at for just like five or six minutes is why do we observe communion? Now, I know that most of you probably already have the answer to that, and you already know it, but what ends up happening is that when we know the answer to something, it becomes easy for it to lose its meaning because we don't have to try hard to understand what it really means. When we know the answer to something, we don't have to search. When we know the answer to something, we take it as given, but sometimes that loses its meaning. And so this morning, we're going to answer the question, why do we observe communion? And if we look, Luke chapter 22 Uh, verse 19, and we're going to answer the question, why do we observe communion? And this is why, because Jesus on the Last Supper, on his Passover meal, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. The question we have to ask is why do we have to remember? Like, why does Jesus have to go out of his way to say, do this in remembrance of me? And I would argue That the reason that Jesus says to remember is because there is a danger that we would forget. The reason that Jesus says to remember is because there is a danger that you and I as Christians, we might substitute things for being more important than Jesus. And, And this is what I mean. Sometimes, as Christians, one of the tendencies that, will, that well-meaning Christians have is making good things the center of their faith. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes, as Christians, there is a temptation for you to make your religion the most important thing in your life. And what happens when your religion becomes the center of your spiritual faith is that you then begin to bash other religions or other Christians saying they are wrong and we are right. But what happens when we do that is we make our religion the center of our faith. Sometimes people can take the church, something that is good, and make that the center of their faith and say everything good happens in the church and the church is the most sacred place. And what happens is we lose focus that although church is important, so is the rest of our life. For some people, there is a temptation to take certain doctrines and make those things the most important thing in their life. And so what happens traditionally, even for Seventh-day Adventists, is that we make Sabbath the center. And when we begin to evangelize, we, be, we in essence, begin with Sabbath. The problem is, and, and I'm going to look at, uh, where's uh, Darlene? She says, what else do we call you Sabbath people? I would say call us Jesus people. Because at the center of everything that we believe and everything we do must not be the doctrine of the Sabbath. And it must not be the doctrine of the sanctuary or any of the time prophecies or any of our healthy eating. At the center of who we are must always be Jesus. And Jesus knew that there would be a temptation to make all this other stuff the center. So Jesus says, remember. Do this 
in remembrance of me. And in the, Greek, in the Greek, it's really, it's recollect. And when you recollect something, you try to live it back out or to reenact. And so Jesus gave us something very physical, the bread and the juice. He gives us these things and he says, do this and remember what I have done. Now, just to show you that what I said, that sometimes good things can become the center of your faith, and and sometimes that's not Jesus, I want to show you from the scripture so you know that I'm not lying. If we look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, to one of the seven churches in the very first book, Jesus says, I know your works, he's talking to a church, your toil and your patient endurance. So he says, I know you're faithful, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. In essence, Jesus is saying, I know you guys are trying to do all of the right things. I see it. I agree with you that you're doing good things, right? Church, doctrine, those are good things, he says, and I'm okay with that. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary, so you guys are working. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Sometimes the things that we do are meaningless to Jesus because sometimes we forget that the reason we're supposed to do things is out of love and because we are compelled to do them because God loves us. And we have to make sure that we don't lose focus of Jesus as being the center. We have to make sure that we don't make other things the center, other good things the center. And so the point that we have to make here is that sometimes we need to take time to remember that without Jesus as the center of our faith, our faith is nothing. Jesus must always be at the center, which is why as the elders and I gathered for a weekend-long intensive time of, of, of talking about what God wants us to do, where God wants us to lead this church, what he wants from us, um, the elders we came up with a new vision for the church, which is probably similar to what it was before, but now we have a renewed vigor. And the new vision for you to write into that line is that through grace, we are becoming faithful followers of Jesus. We are not becoming followers of a religion. We are not coming followers of one doctrine. We are not becoming followers of of being only vegetarian. We are not becoming followers of, of those things because we can't follow things. But we are followers of Jesus. That is what we are called to. And that is what our vision is. And from this point forward, everything we do at this church is going to be staying on the message that it's all about grace and nothing you do. And secondly, everything we do in this church is going to aim to help each one of us, myself included, to be better followers of Jesus. And so I have like two more slides Communion, the bread and the wine, these are physical things that were supposed to make us remember that God has acted in our past and God will act in our future. If God moves in our lives, God will always move in our lives. And if you think, and if you think that, you know, because sometimes uh, one of the things I've seen people do when I was around the bed of my, of my aunt that was passing away, I had nuns there who were aunts of mine that I never met, and they had their rosaries, and they were praying. You've heard this story before. 
And for some of us, for some Christians, um, we have the tendency to look at those rosaries and say there's nothing powerful in that. They're, that's dumb. They shouldn't do it. The thing is, for them, it was helping them to remember that there is a creator. It was helping them in, in a very physical way, hoping. And I don't, know the whole, I don't know the whole meaning behind the rosaries. I don't know, so I may be ignorant in this. But that was something that was very powerful to them, and we can't judge them because the bread and the wine is very powerful to us. And throughout the Bible story, we will find that God always uses physical objects and physical things that we can see with our eyes to remind us of that he is the creator and that he is always with us. And to show you that, I just have three examples. Uh, when Jesus, in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, the fourth commandment, Jesus says, remember the what? The Sabbath. The Sabbath, is this physical? Yeah, you guys get to take a break from work one day a week at least. So Jesus, God uses something physical a day to remind us that there is more to life. One of the other things that Jesus uses or God uses are tassels. In the Old Testament, people that wore, you know, they wore dress, things that looked like dresses. They were supposed to sew tassels on the bottom to remind them that they were supposed to live a certain way. And these very physical things were supposed to remind people that they were always walking on sacred ground. That's God's way of helping people. And then after the flood, God uses a rainbow, and he says, with this physical thing, the rainbow, I will see it, and I will remember that I will not destroy you again. So the reason that we do communion and we use the bread and the grape juice is because God is giving us something very physical to remind us of something greater, which is that he laid down his life for us so that you would inherit eternal life. And so we do communion because it's a form of storytelling. Everybody likes a good story. It's why we watch television shows. It's why we watch films. It's why we read good novels. We do it because it's a form of storytelling. And this we do two, maybe four times a year because we have to be reminded of the greatest story ever told, that there is redemption for you. And redemption was there for you at the cross and it continues to be there because the death of Jesus can never be negated. Because the death of Jesus isn't just that he died in some cruel, you know, God is not just this weird God that demands blood, but rather God gives his own life so that though you may die on this earth, you will get, be resurrected and you will inherit eternal life. Communion is about you centering yourself around the person of Jesus and it's about making that rededication and that recommitment that you will surrender your life to the will of God in your life. That you will surrender all of those things that are destructive in your life and you say, no more of these things. I no longer want to do these things because now I want to be made whole. There's nothing magical about the bread or the juice. It's bread and it's juice. But we do it because God gives us this to help us to remember that at the center of our faith, must always and must only ever be Jesus. And so at this moment, as we partake in the communion, I want to have Kurt come on up. I want to have the elders, if you will stand. This morning, in an also symbolic gesture, usually we have the deacons who serve us, but this, after, but this morning, um, as a way of our elders being elders and serving, they will serve you. 
um, in a sense of humility and of service to remind you, uh, we are here for you. You are not here for us.
In 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23, I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer over these emblems? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice and the laying down of your body and how it was broken for us. And Father, we thank you for the blood in which we are washed clean of sin by the sacrifices you've made, not only on the cross, but coming to this earth to live a life that we can't. So Father, I pray as we partake of these emblems, Lord, that each of us will draw close to you and keep in our minds what you have done for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And now as you eat the bread and drink the juice, um, I encourage you to think about what this sacrifice means for you. And I encourage you to even say a prayer of recommitment to God if that's what's on your heart.
And now as we close the service, will you bow your heads with me? God, you are never far from our mind. And this morning you have been present in a very powerful way. We pray that as we ate this bread and drank this juice, Lord, that it would be more than symbolic, but that it would be a and continual reminder that you are not only our Savior and our God, but that you also dwell within us. We pray that as a result of that, Lord, that we would live renewed lives and transformed lives, that we would truly be faithful followers of who you are. And God, we are thankful for the grace that you have given us. May you continue to bless this church. May you continue to bless each individual. And for those who are in need, I, God, I pray that you would bless them in a double way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.